I ask you to go to Luke chapter 1, and I want you to look in verse 26 with me. Verse 26. And I want to speak to you today about who was Mary. Who was Mary? There are a lot of characters that are involved in the event of the Lord's birth. All right? A lot of characters. Man, I... I Shepherds, man, there's a good message that certainly in the shepherds, amen, and why God chose to reveal those things to them first. And as far as the public is concerned, man, there's, I mean, you could, you could preach about the Magi. You could preach about Joseph. Gosh, a lot of times he's the forgotten man in all of this. And that happens to us sometimes, doesn't it, Dad? When, uh, you know, uh, but, you know, when we were, when we were, when it was just, us with our wives, you know, they sort of doted on us and took care of us. And then when the baby came along, you know, we sort of took a back seat, didn't we? And, uh, and, and you know, and like, like that fellow said, you know, what was it? A, a wallet is a place. How's that where pictures have taken the place of, pictures of children have taken the place of money. <laughs> That's what a wallet is, all right? And, uh, and so, man, we could preach about Herod, what a rascal he was. There's all kinds of characters that are involved uh, in, the, uh, in the birth of Jesus. But the Lord put Mary on my heart this week, and thank you once again for praying. So let's read this. We want to take a look at her life and some things about her, all right? Separate some myth from truth. As well, Notice what the Bible says, verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And so let's pray one more time. Father, I pray that you'll bless your word to our hearts. And we pray, Holy Spirit, for your illumination this morning and confirmation of the truth of this word to our hearts. And I pray you'll, we'll go away encouraged and strengthened and challenged, Lord, as a result of examining this young woman's life. And I pray, Father, that your will would be done today. Bless my preacher brethren around the country as they stand in their pulpits, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know... You, uh, you just can't look, you, you, you can't go outside and look at creation and say with, an, with any sort of honesty of heart that what you're seeing was the result of chance. Man, you just can't, you just can't say that. I think that takes more faith than it does to believe the Bible. And, uh, and so, you know, and all of it was done. Here's the thing. It wasn't by chance. It was by design. All of it was done by design. And, you know, uh, nothing escapes our Lord because he is a God of order and not the God of confusion. The devil is the author of confusion, right? And even in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote and said, let everything be done decently and in order. Well, God had an order. And I, I want you to know that, that, that nothing escapes him and least of all the events that are surround the birth of Jesus. Those things didn't take him by surprise. They were done by design. So when you think about the period in time, the places, the politics, and the people involved were all a part of his sovereign plan to bring his only begotten son into this world. 
And the person I want to look at this morning is the person of Mary. Mary in three different ways. And so, so let's look at her this morning. Let's see, first of all, let's look at her biography. Her biography. What do we really know about her? Well, the Bible has, really has a lot to say about the person that we call Mary, that we know that who she is, all right? Notice what it says. It says in the sixth month, Gabriel, angel, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So, so right away, we know that she is a resident of the city of Nazareth in the region called Galilee. If I had a map in here, Galilee, up by the Sea of Galilee, it's that region to the north up there. And, uh, and what you have to know about Galilee is it's not known for its wealth or for its sophistication. You know, kind of like, I don't want to say that she was a country girl, but she wasn't in the biggest city. I mean, certainly Jerusalem and others that would have been mentioned there that could have been, but that's not where she was living. She was from Nazareth in the region of Galilee. And what was Nazareth known for? Well, Nazareth was known for corruption and for a lot of Gentiles. That's the reason why Nathaniel said, Man, he said, here, I've met Jesus of Nazareth. And what did Nathaniel say? Hey, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? I mean, it wasn't held in very high esteem, was it? And uh, it was a place, it was a place uh, that was not known, uh, if you will, to be admired or whatever. And so, so we know that she's a resident of the city of Nazareth. And, uh, and we also know that she was a virgin. Notice what it says, verse 27 says, to a virgin who was espoused to a man named Joseph. Well, something that we need to know about here is that we think history sort of records that she is somewhere between the ages of 12 and 15 years of age. And you say, how do you know that? Well, according to Jewish custom, I did some research on this, and thank God there are people that have compiled this information on manners and customs of the time. And so espousals were very common. They were arrangements that were made either by parents of the bride and the groom or by a brother of the bride-to-be or the groom or maybe some sort of legal representative. And they happened early on in life, even though the marriage did not take place before the bride was 12 years of age. So they may have had, they may have had, they may have decided when they were toddlers that somebody from my family is going to marry this person out of your family. And, uh, but the actual arrangements were not made until, that, until the, the bride was at least 12 years of age. And then even then, the marriage wouldn't take place for at least a year or more later. And why was that? So that her outfit and everything could be made. You know, they didn't have the, the bridal shops like they have today and all that kind of stuff. All that had to be prepared. And so, and so we know that some time went by there. So, so there's at least a year between the betrothal and the actual marriage ceremony. And what you have to understand about espousals, it's kind of like where you get the word spouse, a shortened word, where they're betrothed. It's an engagement, but it means much more than the engagement's mean of today, all right? So in, in those days, it was considered to be the beginning of marriage. When you, when you were espoused to someone, you were, you were in the throes of matrimony. It wasn't something to be taken lightly. And uh, you, you, know, you weren't out there dating. You weren't out there courting. You weren't doing any of that. And, and we know a lot of that foolishness goes on today, does it not? It does. 
And because marriage is treated so lightly, because man thinks it's his institution, but I will just go on the record that marriage is God's institution, and it's meant to be holy, amen? And, uh, and so God is the one that regulates those things, regardless of what men may do to it. It's abuse and otherwise. And, uh, and so, but marriage, it was considered the, be the, the beginning of marriage, and it was legally binding. You just couldn't say, well, today I'm going to marry and tomorrow I'm not. No. It was a legal deal. And the only way that you could get out of it, the only way for that thing to be called off, is if there was given a writing of divorcement. That was the only way. It had to be something done in writing. It had to be something that was thought through. Another, another legal transaction had to be involved. And so it could only be broken through that bill of divorcement. And so we know that she is a resident of Nazareth. We know that she's a virgin. We also know from these two passages that she's been a spouse to the man named Joseph and uh, that he is a carpenter and so forth. And, and like Joseph, she is also, we also know this, that she is from the house of David. Notice what it says about him. Look at verse 27, to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Well, Joseph is of the house of David, and we find that, we find that being addressed in Matthew's gospel. So I want you to go to Matthew's gospel with me this morning. Keep your place there in Luke. We're going to come back to it, Luke chapter 1. But I want you to go to Matthew chapter 1, and I want, let's look at these genealogies. Now, there's only two places in the New Testament where genealogies are mentioned. One is the book of Matthew, and the other one is the book of Luke. Well, how does Matthew present Jesus? Doesn't he present him as the king of kings? And so then you would expect, if there's going to be a genealogy, it's going to be a line of kings, and that's exactly what this is. It is the royal line, and it begins with Abraham. Notice what it says. Look in verse 1, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Now watch, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, don't you think that's interesting? Which one came first? Didn't, didn't Abraham come before David? So then why, did Dave, why was David's name mentioned first? Well, remember, this is the line of royalty. All the names that are mentioned here of the men, they are all kings except for one. And guess who that is? That is Joseph himself. He's not recognized as the current king. Who's the king when Jesus is born into this world? It's Herod. He's not even a Jew. He's an idumeum. And uh, an idumeum. And so, so he has been set up, if you will, by the Roman government and so forth. He's a puppet king, if you will. And, uh, but the, the rightful heir really would have been Joseph. And so, but, but the question is, why do you suppose David came first? Well, I, I think David here represents the throne. Kings sit upon a throne. And the Bible's going to make a reference to that in the book of Luke, that the throne, that, that Jesus will sit on the throne of David for how long? Forever, it says. So that throne is mentioned first. And when you think about Abraham, you don't think about a throne. What are you thinking about? Well, you think, of, you think about, yes, you think about his son, Isaac. But, but the thing that God in that covenant made to him, he said what? 
Man, he said, everywhere that you can see and everywhere your foot goes upon, I'm going to give you that land. Amen. So you not only have the throne that's mentioned in King David, and you have the land that God promised to Abraham and to his seed, amen, that are mentioned here. And so I think that's why, in part, why they're at the beginning here in this genealogy. But notice something. It starts with Abraham and then moves forward in time. It starts with Abraham. Notice what it says. Verse 2, Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and then Jacob begat, what does it say? Judas. Well, was that Jacob's firstborn? No, Reuben was the firstborn. But God, in his sovereignty, chose out the line of Judah, right? The tribe, the line of the tribe of Judah is where that king is going to come. And so, you find it here in these, and there are 42 of these generations that are mentioned here going through this. And so as you come down to them, you find here, notice what it says in verse 6, and it says that Jesse begat David the king. Now, that, now all the others, these are all kings, but it doesn't specify David the king. Amen. David just had a special place in the heart of God, and Joseph is in that lineage of King David, and then there's Solomon. And, and uh, something else that's in here, there are some women that are mentioned in here. There's Tamar mentioned in here. There's Rahab mentioned in here. There is also Ruth that's mentioned in here. And then, of course, there is Mary. And look down there with me. I'm in chapter 1 and look in verse 16. Notice the wording here. And it says, and Jacob begat Joseph. There he is in that kingly line, in that royal line. But what is Joseph? He's not a king. He's a carpenter. <laughs> he's a carpenter. Notice how, how the Holy Spirit words this. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. And so here we find, going from Abraham to Joseph, we see that we see that that Joseph is in the lineage of David. It begins with Abraham and moves forward in time to the birth of Jesus who was born of Mary. And this is the royal line of kings and the house of Judah which Joseph, of which Joseph was part. All right. Now go to Luke with me and turn back there and go to Luke chapter 3. Let's look at the other genealogy that's mentioned here. So keep in mind, in Matthew's genealogy, you have the kingly line, the royal line, and it moves forward. But in Luke's gospel, we have the human line. Remember, Jesus is presented in Matthew as the king of kings, is he not? This is he born king of the Jews. That's what Pilate said about him. And that's the way that he's presented in here. And that would be important to the nation of Israel. If they were going to have a king, man, he had to have the credentials. And the Lord Jesus had them. All right? And, uh, and so, but this line that's mentioned in the book of Luke's gospel in chapter, in chapter 3, it begins, and I want you to see this, look in verse 23. Luke chapter 3, verse 23 and this, what we find here, is not the genealogy of Joseph, as some would suppose, but this is the genealogy of Mary. And believe it or not, Mary is in the lineage of David also. 
Joseph comes through Solomon, and we know that he was the son of Bathsheba. Mary comes through one of David's sons named Nathan. He must have liked Nathan the prophet so much that he named his son after him. Amen. And there was a son born in 2 Samuel, and you read it, those sons that were born to him while he was in Jerusalem, Nathan is one of those, and it's through that line that Mary is going to come. Look with me, look in verse 23. It says, and Jesus himself, I'm in Luke chapter 3, verse 23, and Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, now watch, being, and, and notice how the Holy Spirit does that. Whenever you see something in parentheses in your Bible, let me help you with that. That's called a parenthetical. If you put something in parentheses, you could take it out of a statement. It could change something if you did that. But typically, whenever the Holy Spirit puts something in parentheses, it was to give more understanding for us to see what was actually going on. And notice what it says in the parentheses, as was supposed. As was supposed, the son of Joseph. But we know that Joseph is a stepfather and not the biological father. But some people suppose that he belonged to Joseph. That's the reason why that there was a statement made in John chapter 8 about the Pharisees saying, we not be, we're, not, we're not born of fornication. And they believe that the Lord Jesus was born of fornication, but he was not. It was born of a virgin who conceived. And notice what this says. Now watch, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. Well, Heli and Jacob are not the same persons. In Matthew's gospel, it moves forward from Abraham and runs to Joseph, who is the son of Jacob in there, of whom he was married to Mary, of whom is Jesus, all right? Well, here, when you get to this, Women were not typically put in the lineages. They were in that royal line to give credentials all the way through, but not in the human line. Then this genealogy belongs to Mary. And instead of going forward, it goes backwards in time. And who does it go back to? Look in verse 38. Look with me, same chapter, chapter 3, look in verse 38. It says, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. So one moves forward in time to Joseph to show that he was in the kingly line. One moves backward through Mary's genealogy in his humanity. Matthew presents the Lord Jesus as the king of kings, if you will, the king of the Jews. And Luke's gospel presents Jesus as the son of man. That he might relate to all of us and to everyone. And we know, we also know from this, I mean, it, the Holy Spirit has not made a mistake in this Bible. Amen. Amen. And uh, you and I, we can rely upon it. We can read it. It just requires a little further study sometimes. You got to dig a little deeper. Amen. And, uh, and, but the truth is there if we lay bare our hearts and walk in the light. So it began with Heli. This is Joseph's dad and moves backwards to Adam. So Mary's line comes through David's son, Nathan, and Joseph comes through David's son, Solomon. So, so she has met the requirements. They have met the requirements as these parents. Something else that we also know in her biography is that she and Joseph were poor. 
You say, how do you know that? Well, they came from Nazareth. Yes, that's true. But if you'll notice with me, look in Luke chapter 2. Just turn left back one chapter and look in verse 23 with me. We also know something about them financially. Notice what it says. And uh, it, 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 I'm in Luke chapter 2 and look in verse 23. Notice what it says. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. When you were going to bring an offering in the Old Testament economy, if you were wealthy, you brought a bullock. You brought a calf. If you were middle class, you brought the best of your sheep, a, a, a lamb. If you were poor, you brought turtle doves or you brought pigeons. And we know that when they dedicated the Lord Jesus at eight years of, at eight days old, not eight years, but eight days old, that they came in there and they sacrificed. Notice what it says. They sacrificed turtle doves and two young pigeons. And that they did for his dedication. So it tells us something about them, about their economic condition. So we know that we know that that she's from Nazareth. We know that she's a virgin. We know that Joseph is not the earthly father of Jesus, but rather the stepfather. We also know that they are both in the lineage of the house of David, and we know that they were poor in what they sacrificed when they brought the Lord Jesus to the temple at eight days of age for his dedication. Well, what else can we learn about her? Go back with me to chapter one. I want you to see this. So we've seen her biography. We know something about her personally. Somewhere between the age of 12 and 15 years of age. But I want you to see not only her biography, but God has enumerated for us here, has put it down in writing what her blessing was. Her blessing, look with me in verse 28. Notice what happens, and it says, And the angel came in unto her. Now let me stop right there just for a moment. The angel came in unto her. Now, I don't know if you know it, but there were a few archangels that are mentioned, two of which that are mentioned in the Bible. One is Michael, the other is Gabriel. And, uh, and it seems like whenever there's a fight going on or in defense of Israel, it seems like Michael is the archangel that bears those swords of light that does, does battle with the enemies. We find it there in the book of Revelation. Remember, Michael wrestles with the dragon. Michael deals with that. And, uh, and when there was a railing accusation, remember there in the book of Jude, it said even Michael durst not bring railing accusation, but the Lord rebuked thee. It seemed like Michael and the devil, they were disputing about the body of Moses. Whenever there seems to be some sort of defense of Israel, of the nation of Israel, Michael is the one that's called upon. Whenever there's tidings, whenever there's news, whenever there's information for the nation of Israel, Gabriel is the messenger. That's why they talk about, you know, blowing Gabriel's horn. Hey, sounding off some news, something newsworthy. Remember when Daniel was praying, what, what's going to happen to Israel? What's going to happen to us? You know, and, and Gabriel gets there to him and says, man, I've been trying to get here for three weeks. From the first that you answered, he said, the king of Tyre got in the way and Michael came. Hey, what was Michael doing? Michael was fighting off the enemy so that Gabriel could make his way through and bring Daniel that word. So we see that Gabriel is the one that brings the news. 
Gabriel's also the angel. If you read on a little further there, Gabriel's also the one that brought the news to Elizabeth and, and, to, uh, and to her husband, right? Got in there and said, man, you're going to have a child. His name's going to be John. He's going to like, what? And man, he shuts him up, not going to let him talk. Until what? Till that baby is born, comes out there, and then they want to name him something else. And no, his name should be John. And man, he blesses the Lord, praise the Lord. Gabriel was the one that brought that news. And so the same angel here now comes to Mary. Notice what it says in verse 28. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, I just want you to get this. I want you to see her favor, her favor. God. Now, listen, God said that she was highly favored. That just simply means to be blessed, to be gifted, if you will. That's what that word favored there as a part of that unmerited favor. But the church of Rome has twisted this truth so many times, beloved, I'm just telling you, the doctrine of the church of Rome is a doctrine of devils. And you say, Brother Ed, you ought not to just call out, listen to me. If you were eating, if you had termites, would you want me to tell you sooner or later? If your cereal that you were eating on a regular basis was poisonous and I knew it, would you want me to tell you or not? You'd want me to tell you. Now listen, I love Catholic people. But I despise, and I, I, I can say I hate with a perfect hatred, the doctrine of that church. Why? I, I, I talked to a friend of mine this week. I posted something on Facebook, and he said, well, he said, uh, Ed, I just have to disagree with you here. And he said, why was Jesus baptized? He said he had to do that in order to, way, uh, to wash away his original sin. What a blasphemous thing to say. And what was he saying? He was saying what he had been taught as a little boy. And I wrote back to him and I, I just said, I said, I said, there's nothing in the Bible that says or teaches that any of us have original sin. And I said, let alone the Lord Jesus. I said, the sinless son of God. And I said, if you recall, I said, John did not want to baptize him. He said, I don't need to be baptized of thee. I said, because John knew that Jesus had nothing for which to repent. But that's a doctrine that's out there. And I said, I love you, man. And I said, I hope that you won't settle for the doctrines of men, but that you'll look at these verses that I've given to you. And he responded back and said, well, Ed, he said, we're just going to have to dis agree to disagree. And he said, I love you too. Gosh. It hurt me. Beloved, there's a truth that we have. The Lord Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Yes. And, uh, and nothing that a man or a pope or a preacher or a priest or anybody else today is going to change that. Amen. It hasn't changed the mind of God. God blessed her. Notice what it says. It says, blessed art thou among women. It doesn't say blessed art thou above women. As a matter of fact, Mary's going to go on to say that she blessed the Lord God, her Savior. Because Mary knew that she needed a savior. The immaculate conception that the Catholic Church teaches says that Mary was born sinless. Look it up. Look it up. There's information out there. Look it up. Use that phone. Use that computer. Look it up. Mary had an earthly father. Heli. 
Eli had a sin nature. Eli gave his sin nature to his daughter. As favored as she was, she needed a savior. Joseph, on the other hand, got his sin nature from his father Jacob. And had Jacob fathered Jesus, then Jesus would have had a sin nature. But because she, he was virgin born, he had no sin nature. Amen. Amen. So her favor. She was blessed among women, but not above women. But I want, you to, I want you to see something also. Look at verse 29. It says, and when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. She, you know, I think that's interesting because she didn't get troubled at what she saw. I'd have been troubled over what I saw. Amen. If an angel popped in there. And, and, and let me just throw this out here. Nowhere in the Bible do angels have wings. You say, oh, brother, yeah, nah, nah, they got. whenever they appear to men, angels, whenever they appear to men, they appear as men. Research your Bible. The stuff that goes on at the Hallmark store and all that stuff is not biblical. I'm sorry, ladies. Yes, cherubims have wings. The cherub that come, yes, they have. As a matter of fact, they got six of them. Yeah, I get all that. But when they appear to men, they appear as men and not as women. They appear as men. Research your Bible. Look in your Bible. It has the answer. That's a side note, all right? But I want you to see this. Her fear, Gabriel's words were troubling to her. They were troubling. That word there, what it means is she was troubled. It means she was alarmed. You know, because I mean, she's thinking about herself. She's thinking about her, her nature, who she is, and she's unworthy. She's thinking about all these things. And, uh, and, and so he has to reassure her, and he repeats the Lord's favor to her. And then I, then I want you to see what's here also is the fruit of what he said. Look at verse 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary. Fear not, Mary. Watch. Now, why? For thou hast found favor with God. Now, here he's going to give some things and show his sovereignty. Notice that all the verbs here are future tense. And he said, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. There's that throne that we saw in Matthew chapter 1. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. All of these things were done by design. God in his sovereignty had chosen these things and set out, you know, I wonder why didn't he come in this time frame when so much communication is available, man, they'd have had CNN over there. If they'd have been in, if they'd have been in Bethlehem, they'd have, they'd have had reporters. I mean, I don't know who all have been there. Every, every person that knew how to put something in sort of gut wrenching turns and uh, terms and get the emotions. Oh, what was it like to be turned away from the inn, Joseph? And you see your wife in labor. Oh, and how did you get here? You got here on the back of a donkey. Oh, what was that like? I mean, I, couldn't you just see all that? Yeah. But God didn't choose that time frame. We could have known instantaneously. But he didn't do that. And I, I think in part he did it just something so simple as faith. He knew in what time and what hour that Christ would be born. 
That men, that's why Jesus said, men, you're blessed because you have seen. He said, but there are more blessed who have not seen yet believe. Amen. Amen. I'm glad we got, I got in on the more blessed. Amen. Amen. That we got in on that. That we got in on that. And so her blessing and God's sovereignty here. But I want you to see something. Mary still had a will. Mary wasn't a robot. God had orchestrated all these things, the times, the people, the places, everything. I mean, even, think about it, even allowing a wicked king when Caesar Augustus said that all the world should be taxed. Sounds like some of the people we have in government today. Amen. There's nothing new under the sun. And how did God work that out? Hey, they had to go back to where? Their home of record. And they went back to Bethlehem. God knew that. God worked that. Not the first time the Lord used the lost king to do something for one of his children. Remember, man, remember there in the book of Esther, old Mordecai, he did something for the king. King can't sleep one night. I don't know if he had indigestion. I don't know what his problem was, but he woke up and said, man, I'd like to read the newspaper. He goes like, what did we do for these guys? Man, what did we do for this guy? Found out about this plot to get, did we do anything for him? No, we hadn't. Man, bring Haman in here. I can't sleep. Nobody's going to sleep. Haman, get in here. Man, he pulls all that stuff out. Haman, what do you think we ought to do for the man that's blessed the king? And boy, of course, Haman's thinking about himself, right? Oh, I think you ought to wear the king's clothes, ride the king's horse. He said, man, I want you to do that for Mordecai. I could just see the blood going out of Haman's face. Couldn't you? Amen. God used a lost king like he used Darius and some others to help Nehemiah when it was time. Man. These countries and leaders and all popes and potentates, they're just like chess pieces on the board of life. God moves them at his will, puts one in place and another. None of these things surprise him. Any more than Pharaoh surprised him and the hardening of his own heart. But we have wills. And Mary had a will. Notice what it says. I want you to see her belief. Oh, she had the plan. Notice what it said. And look, look at verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? She certainly didn't understand the science. I, I don't know of any scientist that can understand that. It was miraculous what God did. And he said, And the angel answered, said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Verse 36 she gets the plan in verse 35. In verse 36, she gets the proof. Now watch. And behold, but by thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And then look at verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. She, has, she gets the plan. She's assured with the proof in Elizabeth's life. And she's told of the power. There's nothing impossible with God. And beloved, that holds true today. There's nothing too hard for him. Nothing impossible. Then what does she do? She believed him. She believed him. You see, people still get in by faith. She believed him. Notice what she said. And Look at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. What was she doing? Man, she became a vessel right there. Presented herself to him. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. 
Mary arose in those days. She hastes to go into the city of Judah. She gets to the house of Zechariah. And what happens, man? Elizabeth greets her there. And what, is the, what does John the Baptist do on the inside, man? He shouts. He, he leaps on the inside. Man did a somersault. And Elizabeth understood. And man, Mary heard those words. There was a confirmation for her. Wasn't it that way? Wasn't it that way for us, man, when we believed and God confirmed some things in our lives? I mean, we, we made a choice on that day when we trusted Him. It was a matter of our will to submit ourselves to the truth of the Word of God, what He said about us and what He said about Himself. What we need to get from this is that Mary presented her body to be that living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God for this great work. Now, Mary could have had some concerns. What's my family going to say? What's my, what's my husband-to-be going to say? Well, if you get over there to Matthew chapter 1 and you read around verse 18, the Lord took care of that. He, see, see when, when you and I, when we are obedient, God becomes responsible for the consequences of our obedience. I won't take the time, but Matthew 18 talks of, Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 talks about Joseph was asleep. And he said, man, better take care. Don't worry about this with Mary. He said, man, this is from me basically. Because he was going to put her away privily when he heard about it, when he learned about it. Now, he didn't want to make a show of her. He, he had some gentleness about him. But I mean, can you imagine? Oh, what, what happened? Mary, Mary, what happened? Can you imagine? Mary. That's never happened like that before to anybody else. I mean, you know, Mary. And the Holy Spirit intervened right there, sent that angel and said, hey, this is, this is legit. This is for real. And, uh, and he was convinced. But they still had to answer all the questions of the people in the town. Little towns, they talk, don't they? How did that happen? Uh, you can just imagine some of the things. I mean, uh, the outrage of her family, the tongues of her neighbors, the incredibility, the incredulity, I'll get that word out, the incredulity of Joseph. What about the local rabbi? Do you remember when Hannah went to the temple that time to pray and she's crying and sobbing so bad she's probably like unintelligible? And what does Eli say? Uh, woman, have you been drinking? She must be drunk. People just don't get it sometimes. Can you imagine that story around? Well, you know what came upon me was the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. Sure. And what are the local rabbi going to say? To have a child out of wedlock in those days was a serious matter. But she was willing to bear the reproach. Listen, so what are we supposed to get? We, we see her biography, the blessing that she got, and then her believing. But what do we take away from this? There is something here for us. You know, God has used a lot of little things in life to make a big difference. Little things. You think about it. If she hadn't have been that vessel, then there couldn't have been a virgin birth. If there had not been a virgin birth, there wouldn't have been a virtuous life. Jesus couldn't have gone to Calvary. His sacrifice would have amounted to nothing. If, if there hadn't been that vicarious death dying in our place, then there would be no victorious resurrection. And we would be a people who are yet in their sins. Listen, when there's no, if there was no cradle... There's not going to be a cross. <laughs> so 
So what do we get from this? It's the little things. God used a little boy's lunch to feed 5,000, but it had to be offered up to him. God used a little maid in the life of Naaman. Do you remember? She had been taken captive. She's the little maid. And she said, would to God that you could be in Samaria for the man of God. Boy, that's there. He could fix this. God used a little maid. God used a little boy's lunch. God used some other little things. There are four creatures that are mentioned in the book of Proverbs. The Bible says that these four little things on the earth and said they are exceedingly wise. And you say, well, man, I, I'm not very much. I mean, I, I'm, we're not like Mary. I, we are. When, when was Saul used? When he was little in his own sight. It's when he was no longer thinking little about himself that he got into trouble. So what I, what I take from this, God and his sovereignty, and yes, he uses her as an example of how we could be. We carry the Lord Jesus with us. She couldn't hide it any more than you and I ought to be able to hide it. That we carry the Son of God on the inside. And he wants to use us, though we be little, especially when we are little in our own sight. If we'll just show up for duty. She had to make a choice. And she said, here am I, basically. I'm the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. And that's a not my will, but thine be done. Is it not? Amen. And willing to bear the reproach. Boy, thank God for her. Amen. As we approach this season, I thank God for her. She doesn't have anything to do with how things have been twisted about her and manipulated about her, but she was a little girl that God used in a great way to change the world, to change the world. Amen. Let's pray we'll be dismissed. Father, I sure do thank you for this, uh, this record and this account, Heavenly Father, of what happened with Mary and Joseph and with your son. God, we thank you for the truth of it. Help us to glean these things, Lord, that we could be used one day like that little boy's lunch to feed others or, or to make a difference in someone's life like the little maid or to have wisdom, God, that others would be drawn and made thirsty for you like those little creatures in the book of Proverbs. God, use us, I pray, to make a difference in the world in which we live like she made a difference in her world. We love you today. We thank you, Lord, for the truth of your Bible. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.